you got your Bible, let's lift it up and let's say it. The Word of God, the word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, if I, live the word I, will be blessed. I will be blessed. And if I don't, and if I, don't I, won't. I won't. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Tell your neighbor, you ought to get it. It's just that simple. You, ought to get it. you do good. You get blessed. You don't do good. You don't get blessed. But the good news is if you do good, you get loved by God. And if you do bad, you get loved by God. So you're going to get loved by God regardless. But God does not stand in the presence of sin. Amen. He hates sin, doesn't he? Amen. Okay, tonight we're going to be talking about, I, I announced that we're going to be talking about joy. And then I felt corrected by the Lord, so we're not. So you want to tell a funny story so at least sure. we laugh? Sure. Yes. Okay. This is a true story. It's about me. Uh, I, you know, most of the stories that we have about things that happen in ministry, I'm just alongside <laughs> him, and he does it, and I just am along with him and in the middle of his mess. But this one, I created all by myself. And uh, I, we went yesterday, um, Shane Harbolt's mother, Betty, she, 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 I just love Betty, and she, she's with Jesus. I know she's rejoicing. And they sang this song that said, if you get to heaven, if you want to find me, find Jesus. And I'll be right there. And I know that's the truth about her. So I was, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm helping with my mom. And uh, so my morning was a little crazy. And Pastor Bill said to me, uh, let's take your car to the graveside. And I said, okay. Well, Pastor Bill likes his car clean, absolutely clean. And so I thought, I have got to go wash this car. So I tore out of the house and I uh, hadn't eaten anything. And I stopped at my mother's. Well, that took a little longer than I planned. So I was still rushing, got through the car wash, got the sandwich, eating it on the way there, pull in the, into Solar Baker, and this man is standing there, and I could tell he was newer, and he was saying, he stopped me, and I said, oh, my husband's officiating. <laughs> he wasn't. It was Shane. And so, but normally when I go to the funeral home, my husband is officiating, and I know where to put the car. I, you know, he tells me, go take it around, park it behind the, the hearse. And so I just, it's just automatic. I just do what I'm told. And so, you know, on that day, I am on autopilot. And so he looked at me, and <laughs> I said, it's okay. He said, do you know where to go? I go, yes, I do. Zoom. I took off around to the back, parked my car <laughs> behind the hearse, ran in, sat down. The funeral was, Shane did a wonderful job. I was so proud of our son, Shane, back there. He just did great. And then they, they started singing this song to excuse everybody, and everybody started getting up from the back, and I leaned over to Bill. <laughs> I said, our car's behind the hearse. <laughs> he looked at me and said, you need to move it. So... <laughs> I got up out of order, and I slipped out, ran around the building as fast as I could, got in my car, drove it around to the front, whipped into the nearest empty spot, and realized that the family was parked in the front row, and now I'm in the family place. So I thought, I can't change now. I can't change. So my sister came. She was wandering around. She, she didn't get in the line at all to go to the funeral home, so she said, can I get in your car? I said, yes. Well, about that time, here comes the hearse with the man that I went by. And he, he's driving, and he goes. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And I said, oh. And he looked back again. And by then, Pastor Bill's really cracking up because I've, <laughs> I've got things so messed up. So when we left the, the, the grave side there, I, I said to the man that's in charge of the funeral that we are doing tomorrow, uh, 
I said, oh, I just need to tell you, Frank, I made a mistake. And I told that man over there that I was the, the wife of the man officiating. He goes, oh, I know already. They already came and got me. <laughs> he said, I just said to him, oh, no, she's, she's up there with her husband. She'll be all right. Just let it go. He said, what I wanted to do was leave your car there and have you go out. I thought, that would not have been funny to me. Betty probably would have cracked up up there in heaven, but... Hallelujah. So that's my funny story. Now I have a funeral story to tell. I was so embarrassed and, and I thought, what if that poor man, I have to go back there tomorrow. I'm just praying he's off duty. Because <laughs> he ain't going to believe a thing I say. He's going to go, there she is, the nutcase. Here she comes. That is he's hilarious. He's so funny though. He just and looks at me and goes, you need to move the car. <laughs> okay. Shane, Shane Harville, obviously, uh, he just he did, did an did. absolutely awesome job anointed he did his father yeah give the lord a hand for that did his father's funeral and did his mother's funeral and and uh, praise god yes he did you know that is funny we you know i got a, a funny i just happened to think about this one and not to tell jokes on ourselves well it's not i mean it, it, it's a true story the first funeral service that i ever did i think i probably shared it before but we're on staff at victory and pastor billy joe called me and said would you uh Go, uh, uh, go with me to a service. I don't know this person, but they've seen me on television. Why don't you go with me? And I said, sure. They just meet me in the lobby. And so uh, he told me what time to go. But 10 minutes before that time to leave, he, called, he had a secretary call me and said, uh, I can't make it. Uh, just You go ahead and do the service yourself. And I thought, I don't even know how to do a service. Uh, I've been to services, but I've never done one. And uh, so I called Pam because you had the car. She pulled up in front of us where we were at the church and, and, I, and ran out and jumped in the car. And uh, I started driving down the street. And she said, where's the service? I was so nervous. I said, I don't know. <laughs> We've we had to find a service station, pull in and find out where the service was. <laughs> yeah, and that, that one we had a diesel station wagon that blew black smoke. Some of you have heard that story. And so not only did we not know where we were going, when we did get there, we parked the car behind the hearse like you're supposed to, only we forgot the family then is right behind us. And so we both got in the car to leave, and he looked at me and said, I don't want to start the car. He said, it's going to engulf the whole family in the big blue smelly stuff that comes out of a diesel. So we sat there as long as we could. Finally, we had to start her up, and sure enough, bang, you know, and then all this black smoke went all over the family. Hallelujah. Bought that car from a Christian man who said, this is awesome, and it was a piece of junk. Yeah. A Pontiac Safari station wagon. <laughs> Anymore, when I go to buy something, they say, oh, he's a Christian. I say, I just want to know if I can trust him. I don't care who he's <laughs> worshiping. You shouldn't be like that, but it has become like that yeah. sometimes. Okay. So anyway, we're not talking about joy tonight, but you should be joyful all the time. But I felt like the Lord spoke into my spirit that you didn't even pray when you announced that. You just said, we're going to talk about joy. And I love joy. I really do. And I love laughter. But, but I feel like this is the word of the Lord tonight, especially with the times that we're living in. You need to be living fully convinced Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to be fully convinced. Fully convinced. We are living in a time in our society and in the world today when things are changing rapidly. Pam and I were talking about this today and about what's ha happening in the Middle East, what is happening in America that we don't even know about with the sleeper cells that are here and all around the world. Now, the good news is 
that God is still on the throne yes. and that the word of God is truth and that we are going to go out of here in a rapture and we're going to go out of here victorious. But we also know what's going to happen between now and this end time period. And Pam was talking, Pam and I were talking about, about the rapture of the church and there are different, there are, there are things scripturally that are absolute. You can see it, you can read it, and then there are things that are somewhat opinionated, that based on my opinion, this is how I read the scripture and reference scriptures, but those are not absolute. Does that make sense to all of you? It's absolute with God, but our understanding is not many times because we get into some areas that, yeah, it could be pre-trib, yeah, it could be mid-trib, yeah, it could be post-trib. All I know is this, I got a really good friend down in Mexico, and uh, he's been in ministry for several years, has Victory Bible Institute down there, and is re- impacting the nation of, of, uh, of Mexico. And he believes that the pre-trib rapture of the church, that after three and a half years of pure hell, and then it's going to get worse, but after three and a half years of pure hell, uh, the church is going to be raptured. And I told, he said, now I know you don't believe that. You believe that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation. I said, oh yeah, I really do. And I said, I know one thing else, or so, uh, another thing too. He he said, what's that? And I said, you hope I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> and there's just total silence. And then he said, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> so I, I, I believe that. But Pam said, well, I think that it's going to be a while until the, the rapture of the church. And I said, you could be right because she's been feeling some things. And I said, you could be right. But I guarantee you this. I know when the rapture is going to come. How many of you want to know when the rapture is going to come? Even Jesus said we wouldn't know, but I know. So turn to your neighbor and say, he says he knows. (laughs) It's coming tomorrow. But the question is, which tomorrow? So turn to your neighbor and say, I think I get it. I think I get it. It's coming tomorrow. We just don't know which tomorrow. So we move as if the rapture, let it happen tomorrow, but we're about the Father's business. Like if there's a hurricane coming... You would be preparing for it, would you not? Because you know it's coming. You'd warn your neighbors. You'd do everything you can. Well, the rapture's coming, and and the good guys are going out of here, and the bad guys are going to stay, and we don't want anybody staying with the bad guys that don't belong with the bad guys. That's kind of oversimplified, isn't it? So, kind of, did you get it, though, since it was so? Okay, okay. Now, turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to talk about living fully convinced. Yes. And we're going to talk about Abraham. Yes. You like Abraham? Yes. He's a pretty good guy. Yes. Okay. What does it say in Romans chapter 4? Well, that he was fully convinced, but this is what, th- you want me to read it in mine? Yeah, whatever you want to do. I don't, what do you have? Okay. Yeah. Amplified? Yeah. You have that woman's Bible. Yes. All those words. Okay. okay. <laughs> no unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Fully satisfied and assured and that's where the New King James says, convinced that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he had promised. So Abraham was fully convinced that whatever God said, he was able to do. Mm-hmm. How many of you know that if you're fully convinced, there is no need and no, way, no area that you can doubt 
or be fearful, you are absolutely fully convinced in that area of your life. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Now, what we need to do is get to the point. We, we use the word faith a lot, like, well, I'm releasing my faith for this. I'm releasing my faith for that. I'm releasing my faith for this. When I first got saved, I said, I'm releasing my faith for a new Lincoln Continental. I never got a new Lincoln Continental, and I didn't know what faith was. I was just talking and saying things that I saw in the Word of God. But once we become fully convinced... Because God assures us by his word and in our spirit, then nobody can change what we know. I am fully convinced. And when you hear me talk about tithing in this church, I am fully convinced tithing works. It is of God and it is God's way to test you, to test your heart and for you to test God. And that if you will tithe, God will open the windows of heaven and you will always have an abundance for every good work that he's called you to. But I didn't always believe that. Because I wasn't fully convinced. And I would tithe when I had the money. I wouldn't tithe when I didn't have the money. And one day, I was trying to live the word, but I was trying to hold back $100. And I said, God, and you and I talked about it and tried to make a long story short. We, we, I knew Pam wasn't in agreement for me to hold the tithe back. And, and I didn't want to do it. But I wasn't fully convinced. How many of you have some areas in your life where you're not fully convinced yet? It may not be the tithe, but there are areas where you're not fully convinced. We've got to reach the point when where God is speaking to us, we are fully convinced God is well able to do it. That's why Abraham, it was accounted righteousness to him. And I remember taking that $100 and turning it in, not having enough groceries, not having money to buy groceries. We were out of groceries and turning it in, crying and saying, God... I trust you, but I don't know what to do. It was not so much I didn't trust God, but I didn't trust myself. Does that make sense to you? I trusted God, but I didn't trust myself. But I was not fully convinced. And the lady that came in that night, 6 o'clock at night, just before she taught her class, June Austin, in the Bible school, came in. She said, Bill, God spoke to me this afternoon and said to bring you $100, and you would know exactly what it meant. Oh, I still feel that. Just like It's just like it went into my heart. It's like, yes, it is real. I am fully convinced. You can never, ever, ever make me think that the tithe is not in the new covenant. It is for us today, and it is the way for God to bless you. Church, 20%, that's a general number. 20% of the church tithes, 80% don't tithe, 80% of the church is in debt, 20% is living pretty good. Duh. Turn to your neighbor and just say, duh. <laughs> okay, now we're not talking about the tithe, are we? No. We're talking about fully convinced. Yes. What, what does that mean to you when you study the Word? And Because to me, there are areas where I'm not totally convinced in that area, but I want to be. You know, some things I don't know um, that God has given us enough information to be totally convinced at this stage but it's a process everybody say it's a process process and once it's solidified like my husband with tithing i was a tither when i married my husband but he wasn't and so he had to get that revelation himself Uh turning him to say let them get it let them get it because you know when we try to convince people it's not the same as god's convincing that's right god's convincing is a knowing that nobody but nobody can take it away it's you just have it but we can't make other people get that that's something they have to get from the lord and i was thinking of the scripture when i looked at this message that bill gave me um there's a scripture it's in i think it's second timothy second timothy this that paul says um that he's fully uh, he's fully persuaded everybody say persuaded you know it's the same they they have the same definition um, I remember when my uncle was an alcoholic and we had led him to the Lord and um, <clears throat> he was 
he he received Jesus, and he really uh, had such a transformation that night. He 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 later went outside, and he got real sick. And uh, when he basically when he vomited, where he vomited, the grass never grew again in that place. Now there's no reason for that to happen except that God wanted him to remember that he had done something. Everybody say fully convinced. So of his salvation, he was fully convinced, but he wasn't fully convinced of being delivered from alcohol. And so one Sunday morning, I was sitting in the Maybe Center in Tulsa, and I was just sitting there. Pastor Billy Joe was preaching. Wasn't thinking about my uncle at all, but I heard, Gene will be the administrator of your Christian school. And to myself, I said, well, you know, he's still drinking. I mean, he was just in another rehab place, and he, he ended up coming out of there and drinking again. I mean, I had all this reasoning. Everybody say reasoning. So the word itself, I was not fully convinced of. But the day he called me on the phone and said he was watching television and he saw Oral Roberts show on television and they said they had a hospital where they could help people who were in alcoholism. And he saw it and he called and said, can I come? And we said, yes. I began to be a little convinced. Everybody say a little convinced. But once he got there, we put him in the hospital. He ended up in in a situation where they began to pray that night. First rehab center he'd ever been in where they released the gifts of the Holy Spirit and let them flow. Fell on the floor, woke up 20 minutes later and looked up and his life was forever changed. Then Brother Roberts asked to, for them to bring somebody down for the television show and had him stand in the river. They had this river that flowed in front of it. It was, a, you know, a fountain and everything. Put him in there, and Brother Roberts laid hands on him and prayed over him. I'm telling you, he became fully convinced. Everybody say fully convinced. Fully convinced. But me, I'm still just a little more convinced. But today, and in that day, he ended up, Pastor Billy Joe, he ended up working at the church. He ended up being the night guard and having to guard the building as it was built. He ended up digging ditches, living with us, going to Bible school. And today, he is healed, saved, delivered. He got free of that alcohol. And I was fully convinced the day that Pastor Billy Joe asked him to be the principal of the senior high school of our Christian school yeah, in Tulsa. Hallelujah. Everybody say, fully convinced. Yeah. And so I learned, I learned how to be fully convinced. So when the day I walked through my kitchen and my nephew, who's still struggling, he's back in jail again, but that doesn't matter where he is. I know what God said, and I'm fully convinced. You know why? Because God showed me that when I hear those things, be fully convinced. Because when you're fully convinced, you release faith, and nobody will pull you off of that place. No valley, no mountain, nothing changes it. And so when I hear that scripture, I heard through the kitchen that said, you will find him clothed and in his right mind, sitting with Jesus. I believe that. He has been here, been out of jail, lived with us, took back off out there, back in jail. But I know what God said. Everybody say, I know what God said. I'm fully convinced that young man will serve God. He will be in his right mind. God will clothe him with his righteousness, and he will be who God called him to be. Do I know the day? No. But I'm fully convinced. Why? Because God showed me. That's how he fully convinces people. Now, Abraham just got it, you know, right there in the Old Covenant. He, it says he believed God, and it was counted as righteousness to him. He believed God. But, but for me, uh, I wasn't 
fully convinced of my uncle because I knew he'd been through six rehab places. What was going to change that to make him not only delivered from alcohol, but the administrator in a large thousand people Christian school who would even want him to be that? Everybody say God did. God did. did. Everybody say fully convinced. Fully convinced. Once you're fully convinced, you will never be weighted down with how's it going to happen or when's he going to do it or how am I going to figure it out. Abraham couldn't figure it out. The only trouble Abraham really got into was because of his wife. Oh. <laughs> Moving well, right she along. she didn't put a gun to his head. It doesn't you know, say that. She came and said, hey, how would you like to? And he said, okay, whatever you say, honey. Uh, you know, and, and now we're still paying for that in the Middle East. We really are. This is, this is a stepson uh, type situation, yeah. a stepbrother's brother type situation. But, but when you're fully convinced, you will know that God's going to do it. See, Abraham didn't know how God was going to do that. He was 100 years old, wasn't Sarah 90, or was it 75 and 90 or something like that? Anyway, he was old. But, 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 but he was fully convinced in the midst of that that if God said that, then God was well able to do that. Now, let's say this. I'm fully convinced. I'm fully convinced. Whatever God says. Whatever God says. He can do. He can do. How many of you really believe that? Can I see your hands? That you are fully convinced. Okay. Then when you're fully convinced, you begin to see it, and you begin to confess it. And just like she was talking about Uncle Gene, uh, he, he, uh, we were up there and would go to Michigan City occasionally where he lived to see him. And he was just, he, he was really a gone alcoholic. And God spoke into my spirit and said, you two will become friends. Well, at the moment when that spoke, when God spoke that in my spirit, I would walk into a room, Gene would be sitting there and he'd get up and walk out and go to the other room. I mean, I couldn't even make eye contact with him. I knew he didn't like me. I didn't know why. He just didn't like me. Well, it was that demonic stronghold that had him. But I told Pam, I said, you know, this really sounds funny, but, but I feel like God showed me that Gene is going to eventually be my friend and that we're going to be friends. And when he ended up there in Tulsa, so many nights we would sit and watch Patton and eat popcorn and drink Coke or the paper chase. And to this day, we've developed a good and a deep friendship because God said so and God is well able. So let's all say God's well able. God's well able. Now, I know this might go against some of the teachings that you've heard sometime, but God doesn't need your help. He just needs you to come into agreement with him. He is a lot smarter than you are. Turn to your neighbor. This may be the first time they've ever heard that. And just tell them, God is a lot smarter than you are. And if you're a husband, this may be the only time you can say it. (laughs) God is a lot smarter than we are. And he knows how he wants to birth the earth, make mankind. I mean, can you imagine if we got a committee of people to make mankind? Can you imagine what we would look like? I mean, look at what we look like now and God did it. So we get to the point, <laughs> I didn't mean that to be funny, <laughs> but, but we get to the point that we don't carry these weights around with us. We, we know what God said. And just the other day, I was, I was going through some things. And I, I, how many of you know you know when you're going down? Do you know what I'm talking about? Nobody. Okay, thank you. I do. I, you I do. It's like, uh, another day, whatever. It's like, no, no, this isn't right. And I said, God, I need some help. I'm, I'm facing a few things here, and I'm looking at them, and I'm not sure what to do. And instantly in my spirit, what I heard the Lord say is, what did I say? And I, and I thought of the Bible, and I thought a lot. <laughs> you know? but, but then it's like, no, what did I say? Reread your journal. 
And I went back and I started rereading my journal. See, God in Romans 4.17, this is what Adam, uh, excuse me, this is what Abraham got a hold of. He got a hold of this, that God speaks things that are not as if they were. Let's all say it. God speaks things. God speaks things. That are not. That are not. As if they were. As if they were. So if that's how God operates, now that's Romans 4.17. If that's how God operates, then that's how we're supposed to operate. So what is God saying? Well, when I, when I went back and reread what the Lord had shown me, it's like, well, now my confession was starting to be different than God's. My confession was, how am I going to make this happen? Let me see the hands of all the people who like to make things happen for God. Okay, put them down quickly, because you know you're an heir. <laughs> and, 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 and all of a sudden, it was like, instead of just confessing what God said, I have what he said. Because God speaks things that are not as if they were, and it's not my responsibility to make it happen it's God's responsibility. It's my responsibility to be fully convinced and come into agreement with God and speak things that are not as if they were. And that's what it says in uh, verse 17 of Romans 4. It says, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God. That was Abraham in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things. He has foretold and promised. They're non-existent, but he's already said it's going to happen. So they're just non-existent in our sight. They're not non-existent in God's sight. As if they already existed. That's why when God said, let there be light, there was light. He saw that when he said it, before he said it. So when he spoke it, he just brought it about. Does that make sense? God was fully convinced. It wasn't like... And let there be light? No, it was let there be light, and there was light. Why? Because what he spoke. If you read Romans 10, you'll see this. It says, we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. Yeah. And listen to this. And salvation is made when we confess. Why is that? Because confession brings creation. And we are created anew creature in Christ Jesus. It's when we confess Jesus, when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that we, it's the actual confession. If you read that scripture, you'll see it very clearly. I never really saw that until one day the Lord pointed out to me when he was talking to me about confession and how important it is. You cannot even be saved unless you confess what you believe in your heart. And the confession just like when God confessed, let there be light, then there was light. Same for us. It's a good word, honey. Now, if you, if you understand this, it can change your life. Because we're going to talk about the things that are, that are stopping people from getting this message and really operating, being fully convinced that God's going to do it. But, uh, but in Ephesians 5.1, it says that we are to be imitators of God as dear little children. So what is God doing? He's confessing those things that are not as if they were. If we're going to imitate God, we're going to confess things that are not as if they were. Well, what things are we going to confess? Let me see. Whatever I want? No, I don't think so. I tried that when I first got saved. That doesn't work. You've got to confess what God has spoken to you. Abraham knew to confess what God said because not only did God say it, he changed his name to line up with it. So when you get to, when you start to reading 
through the Bible, and most importantly, or, or equally important, your prayer journal, you are reading what God is showing you, and you need to start speaking that, being fully convinced that whatever God said, he is well able to do. It really ties in with Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus said, man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What is God speaking to you? Then that is the area that you're to be living in and be fully convinced in. And when we do that, it ties right in with when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, Matthew 6.10. And this is where I believe the challenge in the body of Christ, certainly in the world, but in the body of Christ for a lot of people is Matthew 6.10. Not my will, but thy will be done. You have a will. Jesus had a will. Jesus submitted his will to God, and we must do the same thing. God, I'm not trying to get you to work for me. I work for you. What is your will in this situation? And when you get up, and the most important thing to me in the morning, Pam, when I get up, I, I read the word, but the most important thing to me is my prayer journal. Opening this thing up and saying, God, what do you want to show me today? I, want, I hunger and thirst to hear what God is saying. And then I begin to write it. And then some of it is like, oh, this is just awesome. Well, it's all awesome, but it's just so awesome. And, and my mind tries to kick in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How can I do this? And then it's like, no, you don't have to do anything other than what I tell you. I'm showing you what I'm going to do through you if you will position yourself where I want you to be. And it takes all the pressure off. It's like, okay, God, what did you say? There are things that you and I have talked about concerning the building. As a matter of fact, I just said it the other day. We're, we're, we're still looking at the building I, there's just some things i don't feel led to say right now and i and i said to pam you know sometimes i feel like a failure because we don't have a building yet and she encouraged me like a good wife always does and she said if god wanted us to have a building we'd have a building and I said, well i want a building and well we have a building we just don't own this building but that's okay we have a building but but i believe i know what i heard i know what i heard in my spirit and i know that i know that i know that it was god so he, we are well able yes. to do what God said, even though it took a lot longer than I thought. But when I look at Abraham, he had to wait a while, too. He had, he had to wait 25 years. And sometimes what you're believing for isn't even going to be yours. It's going to be the next generation's. Mm -hmm. Could be. Everybody say, uh-oh. <laughs> but faith is what releases the hand of God. Yeah. And God told me a long time ago, I'll tell you things, and I, you have to believe for them even if you never see them. It, read Hebrews 11. There were many people who lived by faith and never saw it. And I said to my husband when he said that about the building, I said, well, if we were supposed to have a building, God would have called us up and told us where to go. He must want us here. Uh, don't ask me why. Because every time we ask for a bigger place, he gives us another section of this mall. You know, and that wasn't exactly what we planned. But and, and the owner of the mall, each time, Jack no. Nichols is in heaven yeah. right now, and he's a tremendous blessing to us. Yes, he is. Tremendous blessing to us. He started giving us money back. Yeah, but but, uh, but But he said, you can't have any more. We had yeah. this section and the section over there, and he says, you can't have any more. You're going to take the whole area, and then I'm not going to have anything. And then next door, it was a lady who had a photography thing. She, she moved out. And I said, hey, Jack, we'd love to have this. She said, no, you can't have it. That's okay. About a week later, he called back. She said, okay, do you really want it? I said, yeah, we do. So he, he gave us, he didn't give us, we paid for it, yeah. but he gave us all this space. And every time we would 
think we were going to build something, we end up taking another part of this building and leasing it. But I know God. I know, I know how God has done in my life. I see these little things that he does, like the potato chips and the cookies. You know, I see God do all those things. I see him doing in other people's lives. Now, that same God could move us if he wanted to. He could ring us up and say, go get this building. Even if it's interim, he could do that. But he hadn't done that. We're not doing anything unless God said to do it. I just want to tell you, if we sit four high on a seat, we are not moving till God says, because I've been down those roads before, and that is not a good place to get at. How many of you have been down the wrong road and then tried to go backward? No, the only way out of a mess is forward, and sometimes it is a big mess to get out. Hey, uh, well, uh, yeah, I'll go back to this in just a second. What about the potato strips and the cookies? Oh, Brad, I'm hungry. Brad didn't have enough money. And, and, oh, and, and oh, somebody oh, gave him monies. And God cares about the little things. Yeah. I have seen him do that with me ever since I was a single mom. So when my husband says, you know, let's, let's try this. Everybody say, don't try it. I mean, if God says, then yeah. do it. But then you may fight all of hell to get it done, but at least God said. Or at least you think God said. And even if you don't, didn't hear right, he loves you so much for trying. He will help you. He will deliver you. But... But if you start trying things, that's, that's how a lot of gals get in the wrong, well, never mind, the wrong marriages. Because they start dating, thinking surely they'll be able to figure out which one it is God wants. And they're none of them sent by God. Now I've gone to preach, I'm not going to say anymore. Hallelujah. You should only marry the one God yes, tells you to. because children don't handle being changed around a lot. And... And now I am. Then when they Just say, go ahead, get back on then the when they say, I love go. you, but I hate you, you can hang on. That's a private joke. <laughs> no, she didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> if somebody else, if somebody else in our church, <laughs> but <laughs> I love the story. I'm going to use it someday and they're going to have them share it. But, but I will say this about what God has shown me regarding the building, the owner of the building, Seth. not knowing anything about what God has shown me has basically said the same thing that God spoke to me, that he wants to do. And not only have we come into agreement with God, but I'm in agreement with the owner, what he wants to do. Because to capsulize it, he said, I want to get you in that building. I would love to give you the building. I believe it will be a feather in my cap. I wonder if he ever goes online and listens to any of these. I don't know. It would be a feather in my cap when I get to heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let him have a feather. We want the building. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, what happens is when you look at this and, and, and we get into, uh, we, we were talking about Joshua. It, it, we know how successful Joshua was, but in, in the Word of God says that if anyone lacks wisdom, and we're talking about the same thing here, whether you call it wisdom or leading the Holy Spirit, but in Joshua, or excuse me, James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He will not withhold. How many of you realize that God is a God of love and that what he wants you to know, he will always tell you? Just think about yourself. Would you ever want your children to know something that's really important? that you really want them to know because it's going to be a blessing to them and it's going to help them be all that they're called to be and you wouldn't tell them. You know you wouldn't do that. You would tell them. That's God. God yeah. wants to tell you what he wants you to know. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to tell you what he wants you to know. God wants to tell you what you won't find it on television. You won't find it in the movies. You won't find it with people, but you'll find it with God. He will tell you exactly what he wants you to know. You write it down and you begin to speak it forth. That is the wisdom of God. And, and where I was going with Joshua, Joshua was a superb leader. He did, for, with a couple, one exception, he did exactly what God told him to do. And when God spoke to him, Joshua, one eight and said, "You meditate the word day and night, and you'll be successful." But a, a lot of times we we don't think about Deuteronomy thirty four verse nine that says Joshua the son of Nun had a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of wisdom. Everybody say that. Spirit a spirit, of wisdom. You have available to you a spirit of wisdom. That when you move into the realm of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God that he wants you to have is yours. And whenever you ask, without doubt, because it says if you doubt when you ask, you will be tossed to and fro. You will waver. And you know exactly what that means. Well, yeah, I think so. But yeah, now I don't know. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. And you let the word of God really just drop instead of latching on to it. And, and it's not trial and error. But hindsight is, is really good when you look back and say, okay, I see the trail. I can look at my trail from 1980, when, or 1981 all the way up to the present, and I can see where I wavered, and I can also see where I trusted God, and he was exactly there doing exactly what he said. And I think it's, uh, you know, oftentimes it's a timing issue. People get discouraged, and they begin to, to uh, try to help God just like we said in the beginning of this message, and uh, we can never help God do what he's going to do because he has a way of doing things. Even says in Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Not that we can't know them because it says in 1 Corinthians, the Spirit of God will reveal them to us, but he does it in his time. It's not in our time. It's in his time, and God is a God of order. I mean, he didn't just fling everything into That's right. into being. I mean, he just didn't wake up and there it all was. It was structured. It was ordered. And I don't, I don't know God's timing. I don't understand God's timing. But I know this. When you're fully convinced, you can live your life in peace and in a rest that we cannot live if we're always questioning every single thing about, well, when is it going to happen? How many of you have thought that? You know, I've, I've been fully convinced, and now I'm not so fully convinced because it isn't happening. It is happening. Everybody say, everything God says is happening. It's happening in heaven. It's happening in the spirit. There's warfare up there in that heaven up there where the devil operates. And so some of the things take longer. Read the book of Daniel. However, God is always working. He's always working. I think Jesus makes intercession for us because we get it so messed up. He has to continually say what God says, even though we're saying something else, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you can tell when somebody's fully convinced and when they're not fully convinced. And God wants us to be fully convinced. That's that right. He tells the truth. And, and that's exactly right. And, and, and the way you become fully convinced is you stay reading the Word of God, you stay in prayer, and you stay in the realm of the Spirit, 
asking God to show you what he wants you to know. To me, the most important thing is finding out, God, what do you want me to know? And then when you begin to hear that, you begin to take that and record that so that you can look at it and it builds your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And God speaks to people today to show them what he wants them to know. Now, here's a couple of things that are, are interfering with people today in the body of Christ, I believe. And this is just my personal observation. But some of your biggest challenges are going to be lovers of self, self-seeking. I want to do it my way. This is what I want. And if I don't get this, I'm not going to do that. And da 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 da, da. Instead of living Matthew 6.10, which says that not my will, but your will be done. And there, and I shared this Sunday, I believe, or maybe last Sunday, but I, I believe there is a spirit of the Antichrist that is narcissism. Now, narcissism is a totally self-absorbed, self-seeking person who is totally in love with themselves. Everything is about me, 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 me. Why don't I have more money? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have this? Why don't you stop thinking about yourself? And start thinking about what God spoke to you. Narcissism is very, very, it, it's a creepy thing that comes in. We, th we think about it in terms of people in the world, but it comes into the body of Christ. And, and, and it can water down the word very quickly. Well, what can we do to make you feel better about yourself? How about doing what God said, and you will feel better about yourself? Yeah, I think that... Um that the, the end of the story is in Second Timothy that people, and we've said this many times lately, and I believe it's because God's saying it to the body of Christ to help us stay out of a place of destruction. It's, it's not about having things. You know, we have, God will give us whatever we need. He will do that because he loves us and he'll take care of us. But sometimes what we think we need is not what we need. And only God knows what that thing is that we think we need is going to work in our life. And sometimes that's not going to be the thing that really takes us where we want to go. And so God in his mercy, everybody say in his mercy, he's the one that directs those things that are coming toward us. And uh, I know that's hard sometimes to think about because some people are in great need right now. But I also know there's situations where God has blessed people and brought them out into a place where it only caused them to fall instead of to go on with the Lord. In other words, those things they thought they needed then became things yeah. that they really didn't need, but because they were blessed with those things, they deviated from what was their focus in the beginning, and then they put themselves in a place where they were vulnerable to what the enemy could do in that place. You know, God will hold us in places sometimes. It doesn't change the fact he's gonna do it. It doesn't mean we've done anything wrong. It's just we have to have a confidence that God knows more than we do. And because he does, and he loves us. Everybody say, he loves me. Because he loves me. You know, I don't know why, uh, you know, things sometimes happen the way they do. My dad, you know, we, we continued to believe for my dad to be healed all the way to when he stepped into glory in the middle of the night last Saturday night. Uh, but he is healed. And I have no, you know, I'm not going back to God and say, well, what happened? What didn't we do right? Everybody say, don't ever do that. Because there's things we will not understand, not until we see Jesus. But all of those things are meant for one purpose, to cause you to doubt God. The devil hates people who put God's 
will ahead of their own. He hates, he hates it when people say, I trust God more than my circumstance. He hates that. So he'll try to deviate it, our thought processes and our actions away from putting that total trust and confidence in God. Will it happen on the day we want it to? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe it isn't even the day that God intended for it to happen, but it will happen. Everybody say it will happen. If we remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and we never take our focus off of the one who said, I will do it. We have to be fully convinced. More than anything, I believe Abraham was fully convinced that God would do what he said he would do. Yeah. And you, know, and you know, your dad was fully convinced because right up mm-hmm. at the end, he began to talk about, I get it. I understand it. I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to heaven. It's not, it's not dust to dust, I think is the word mm-hmm. that he used. He said, he I'm said, not going to be dust. My soul I'm, is I'm soul going soul. to heaven. Hallelujah. Now, yeah. if you study, I love to study leadership in the Bible. When you look at different leaders, uh, King Saul was picked by God, but yet he was self-centered. And he eventually fell, very prideful, very narcissistic type person. He didn't care much what God said. He cared what other people said. But then you look at Joshua, and Joshua was very humble. And, and Joshua just said, God, I just need to know how to lead these people. I don't know what to do. Now, this is what I want to share with you, what I felt God put in my heart. To have a spirit of wisdom, it is activated by humility. Lord, what do you want me to do? And submission and obedience. Humility asking God constantly, what do you want me to do? Submission to that and obedience to that. And once we get to that point in our lives, then we will begin to see God move. But it's his timing. I don't believe God has a watch like we have. Uh, he, he, God does things by season. Let's all stand to our feet. But I don't believe he has a watch like, okay, it has to be done at this particular time, whatever. It's going to be done when God says it's going to be done, and nothing we do is going to change that, but we can prolong it if we don't stay in faith and speak those things that God's shown us that are not as if they were. You know, have you? I don't know if any of you ever had a child. Uh, none of mine really, I don't think, ever did this. can't remember, but um, I've seen children that do this, uh, and I see it more and more, where they throw themselves down and start throwing a fit. Everybody say, throwing a fit. And, you know, that, that's, that's the spirit that's in the world today. Is in, it's in adults and children. It's in a, throwing a fit because things aren't going the way. I mean, that just came to me when, when Bill was sharing. Uh, they may not be down on the floor rolling around, but they're throwing a fit. And you know what? God will just watch that. Until we're all, how many, how many of you know, when a child is throwing a fit, there's not a lot of reasoning that you can do. The discipline is the only thing that's going to really, in the end, uh, they're going to have to learn they can't do that. And so God is a good father. And so when we start throwing a fit about things, in other words, talking doubt and unbelief, that's throwing a fit. Talking smack is talking against what God told us, really. And I, that just came to me when he was talking that, you know, God loves us too much to let us get by with that because there'll be a day where throwing a fit will be to our detriment and not for our good. It'll get us something that we, sh- we shouldn't be in. And so um, I believe God is cautioning us, encouraging us, and I believe he will discipline us in the day we're living in because he loves us and wants to keep us on track. 
because I believe anything outside of that parameter is deadly at this time. I've seen it happen to too many people. We don't want that to happen in this house to anybody. We don't have to be afraid. We just have to become more and more confident and convinced that he who said is able, just like Abraham said. Yeah, that's right. Would you bow your heads with, with us just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question you'll ever answer. Do you know if you die today, you would be with Jesus? And if you're here and you say, well, I'm not sure, then you need to give your life to Jesus because the Word of God says that the Spirit of the living God will bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God and that your spirit comes alive when you receive Jesus. Your spirit before you receive Jesus is not alive. And all over this church, if you're here and you'd say, well, I don't have that assurance. If I died today, I'd go to be with Jesus. Or maybe maybe you're here and you're like that prodigal child in the Bible. You know you've walked away from the things of God. Let tonight be the night when you come home. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life, and you are valuable to God. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.